I am here with Mike Demeray from Rainbow. Mike, I'm excited to have you on the pod. What's up, Chase? What other side? How are we? <laughs> Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I'm super excited to have you on. I use Rainbow personally, so. Let's go. We love that. Wow. You're a true believer. There are very few. I mean, I use a lot of different crypto apps, but there are very few that I've used for the amount of time that I've used Rainbow. Like Rainbow is sort of a, yeah. a ride or die type thing for me at this point. Wow. That's a good vibe. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that there's a lot of people out there like that who were onboarded to Rainbow and sort of just, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like they're just ride or die. We yeah, love that though. I'm- I mean, I've onboarded a ton of people who are my friends on to Rainbow. When's the last time you, are you still onboarding people uh, to crypto these days, or was this a was this a thing of the past? This is mostly a thing of the past, but we're doing a little bit of onboarding every once in a while. I mean, you know, a friend of mine texted the other day and was like, "Can I make money playing online games?" And I was like, "Maybe." I'm not sure that's a good reason to onboard, but like maybe. Um, which honestly kind of brings me to, we were talking before, um, I mean, it's probably good for people who aren't familiar with rainbow. Maybe we'll start there. Um, yeah, let's, let's start there. Yeah. I mean, rainbow is an Ethereum wallet, uh, for your phone and for your computer. That's just really fun and pretty. Um, you know, we've, yeah, we've always sort of built rainbow, uh, to try, you know, with the goal of sort of, yeah, like bringing what makes crypto fun, like very front and center to the user experience. And uh, yeah, I don't know. We like, there's a lot of like fun little Easter eggs in the product too. You know, there's like emojis everywhere. It's just like good vibes. But yeah, it's like a great Ethereum wallet and it works on like layer twos. Um, You know, all the the layer twos are supported, super slick. Yeah. Yeah. Rainbow is definitely a fun wallet. Um, And we were talking before on on the note around onboarding and and I kind of want to get into this. So I think something that's interesting about Rainbow to me is that it feels like it appeals to both crypto natives and people who are just getting started. And so maybe that's where we can start our conversation, which is kind of like, I'm curious how you think about this, particularly in, in the consumer crypto space, like whether or not crypto companies and and how you've thought about this rainbow in particular um, should be building products and educational resources and all that stuff built for crypto natives versus sort of onboarding new groups of users who maybe haven't even touched crypto before. Yeah. I mean, so we've always skated this line uh, like from the beginning of rainbow where um, I think that we have this core, we have this core insight that um, has driven a lot of our product thinking. Um, the insights that we think that really everyone who comes to crypto um, has a friend in their life who they at least think like knows more about crypto than they do, right? And we often call that person just like internally like the shepherd, right? Like so all noobs have like a shepherd. Um, and it's really important um, as a product to uh, actually appeal to both to both audiences, right? Because Um, the nerds are the ones who recommend the products to the noobs. And it's really important to have your product actually, yeah, like be well-respected and, and sort of suit the needs of the nerds. If you, if you actually want to get adoption with the noobs. Um, So yeah, I mean, Rainbow's always kind of skated this line between, um, you know, yeah, like a really beginner friendly experience while also exposing sort of enough advanced functionality that appeals to like the crypto native. Um, 
you know, at this point in the market cycle, though, uh, uh, we're we're very focused on on um, crypto on the crypto native user base, uh, just because in our minds, it's essentially like, you know, that cohort of users is is sort of here to stay and they're not going anywhere. Right. Like, you know, crypto can continue to be down only. And we really um, think that this core audience of crypto natives is is still going to be here and still use it as their as their primary financial system. So that's really like, you know, why we built our rainbow extension product, right, for desktop. So historically, rainbow had been mobile only. Um, you know, we started with mobile because in our minds, like building a really high quality consumer app experience is like one of the hardest problems to solve, right? Like from a design perspective, um, you know, all around, it's just really hard to like nail a really good mobile app. So we started there first, but uh, yeah, we just launched the Rainbow Extension product, which finally brings Rainbow to desktop. And that's really important because, you know, for whatever reason, uh, a lot of the crypto native audience still primarily uses uh, their desktop computer to interact with the chain. Um, so yeah, it was really important in our minds to basically close that gap and finally offer uh, a rainbow experience for desktop. Um, because basically, yeah, it's, it's in our minds really tough to actually compete with MetaMask unless you have uh, platform parity with MetaMask, right? Like, you know, it's hard for people to not keep, you know, people are going to continue to recommend MetaMask as a product um, unless you can actually um, step in and completely replace the product. Yeah. Why do you think it is that people uh, that are, more crypto native tend to be using desktop more often. Like, do you have a hunch for why that's the case? Yeah, I think I have a hunch. I mean, um, I think that um, historically dApps had been, you know, like the, the dApps themselves tended to be really poorly made as far as like, you know, working on mobile. Like, so a lot of dApps, most dApps these days are, do work on mobile. There are still a couple of outliers that, that don't even have like any mobile experience. Um, so there's definitely that aspect, simply that like, for whatever reason, yeah, like uh, just like dApps sort of only built themselves uh, for desktop. But I think besides that, I think that, you know, the user persona of like a crypto native tends to be, um, I don't know, somebody on the spectrum, like of, of tech, of, of like tech sophistication, they tend to be, sort of more sophisticated. And I think that that just lends themselves, you know, like, uh, uh, they're very likely like at their computer all day, right? Just, uh, um, you know, like whether they're like programming or doing, you know, work, right? Like they're just at a computer all day. And I do think that that is, um, you know, that's somewhat unique. I think that, yeah, like your average Robinhood user, I don't think that they're at a computer all day, you know? Um, so I do sort of think that it's actually just like, uh, yeah, the type of nerd, you know, like that they're just at their computer all day. Yeah. I, I also kind of wonder if part of it is like the, the types of applications that we've had so far where it's like, I don't know. I, I'm always yeah. surprised that fintech apps are as popular as they are as applications. Cause for me, like I'm not, I don't know. I, I feel like when you're doing serious transactions, you want to be like on a desktop app, making sure everything's, you know, correct. Um, and so part of me also wonders if a lot of it is just like the DeFi sort of forward orientation versus like a, you know, social experience, yeah, which definitely feels like you need to have as a mobile first experience. I mean, it's funny. I it, I do think that we're sort of in this weird, I don't know, like transition period, right? Where 
like, I guess I get what you're saying. And I do think that a lot of people feel the same way that you do that, like serious things should be done from their computer. But I don't know. I think that like, at least just self-reflecting on how I use, uh, you know, apps and stuff, right. It's like, I don't think I've used, uh, like my bank's web app, like ever, like, you know what I mean? I think I only use their mobile app. Um, and I think that also if you went and asked even a lot of these people who are using DeFi on their computer, I think if you ask them like, Hey, like, you know, how did you place your last, like, you know, stock trade? I think they're going to say, yeah, like on Robinhood on my phone. Right. So I don't, I don't know. Like, it's sort of weird. It's like some apps seem to sort of like have become like, or some user behaviors seem to have established themselves as being like mobile first. Um, but I don't know. I don't know how much users actually like interrogate this, uh, this, this sort of behavior that they, uh, that they have. Yeah. Well, and it's also kind of interesting because I think, I think that that makes a lot of sense and it's kind of funny. Yeah. I guess I use DeFi on desktop and I use TradFi on my phone, which is such a weird dynamic unless I'm like swapping or something like that. That's very simple. Then I'll do that on mobile, which rainbow also has functionality for. Um, so there's also like a weird, you know, what's built into my wallet versus what am I going to an additional website for? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're trying to build more and more into rainbow, right? Like, uh, internally we track this metric called RPTs, uh, you know, rainbow powered transactions. Um, and those are transactions, you know, where like the user, from start to finish basically does it within rainbow instead of having to go use adapt. So we're definitely like, um, yeah, trying to build more and more into the app itself and sort of give you less reasons to need to go elsewhere. Um, I, I guess the other thing that comes to mind when thinking about this, this idea of like, Hey, like desktop versus mobile, like why are people doing some things on desktop? I definitely think that like there's certain power user activities that just really lend themselves, uh, like to, to being best done on desktop, like for example, using like blur, right? Like if you're trying to trade NFTs or like flip NFTs, using blur on desktop is just a much better experience than on mobile, particularly if you have to open up like tabs, you know what I mean? Like if you sort of need to click on something and see what it is and like, I don't know, like basically just the ability to kind of throw open a whole bunch of tabs really quickly, I think is another big uh, reason that people keep using desktop. Um, yeah, I guess I, I definitely think that I've been like a very like mobile first person in crypto for like a long time. There was a long period of time where like nobody was using their phones for this stuff. Um, I just think that, yeah, I'm like a very big phone person. I'm like, you know, I use my phone for everything. As most people are, which is why are I you, think it was you're also a big computer. Yeah. I'm I'm not a big computer person. I feel like I, to your point, kind of built the muscle around using my computer for crypto stuff. And then I never yeah. like unlearned that. But I think you're totally right that like yeah. the next wave of users probably will and should. It's interesting because for a lot of crypto stuff, I like built the muscle around desktop experiences. What I've observed my own sort of behavior being though around the social landscape is like it's very hard for me to use a social app that is not on my phone and part of that I think is like just when yes. I happen and the context when I happen to open a social application and what I have in my hand at that moment and the context around the triggers for when I open it and so I, I think I'm, I'm very curious to see how some of the stuff shifts in web3 social just as we get like 
yeah. more of these types of friend tech type apps going. Like I can't imagine friend tech having been as successful as it has been basically on desktop, which is kind of interesting. I agree. I think I agree. Yeah. I'm curious, what other stuff in social, uh, like Web3 stuff are you interested in these days? I mean, I think friend tech is interesting from like a um, new mechanism design type of perspective. I think yeah. some of the identity stuff that's emerged over this in, over the last couple of years, or I guess some of the social actually um, things that have emerged over the last couple of years, like Lens and Farcaster, feel to me more like actually identity protocols than anything else, which is kind of interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, I would be curious how you're thinking about consumer social. Like we have our friend texts and stuff like that, but like, yeah, what do you think is most compelling? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I think that friend tech is like obviously uh, quite novel. And I think it's a quite like, you know, opinionated product that uh, is really exciting. Um, I'm really hyped about what Racer is built. And I think it's really fun and cool. Um, yeah, I guess uh, I spend a lot of time thinking about like Farcaster and Lens. Um, but a lot of a lot of the ways I've been thinking about it lately have been driven um almost more by like Elon rugging all of the Twitter APIs uh, and just how like Lance and Farcaster essentially can, can offer um, a very similar experience or a similar, similar types of data, right. Um, via an API that like uh, that Twitter used to have. Um, it just basically comes down to like, you know, is there a meaningful enough social graph on those places for it to be uh, fully integrated? But yeah, just like, you know, I think about, um, so I think that like the low hanging fruit, uh, from rainbow's perspective about how to sort of integrate some of the social stuff into the product really comes down to simply, um, you know, fetching a user's social graph and essentially using that social graph just to like, um, o like use it almost as like an overlay on top of data. For example, you know, showing in the app things like, uh, trending tokens or trending NFTs that people in your social graph have been like interacting with over whatever time frame. Um, I think that like that can go a really long way in improving um, discovery for people. So it's like I, I forget who who coined the phrase, right? But it's like people always say, you know, it's like uh, you know, I have a wallet. Now what, right? Like it's it's you know the now what question is a really important question for wallets to solve. And I think that, yeah, like overlaying social uh, uh, data um, is like a good way of solving for that, right? Like essentially like punting. Okay, the, re the reason why it's so good is I, I think one, it's actually just simply like high quality information uh, for the user. But then second, it's great because it essentially like punts the responsibility of having to like handhold somebody through uh, – through a bunch of like things, right? Like it punts that off to basically their friend group, right? Where essentially it's like their friend group is the one essentially, you know, uh, yeah, helping them discover cool things instead of rainbow. Um, and I think that that's always a good, uh, like a good outcome. Yeah, like the shepherd that you're talking about becomes built into the product basically as a result of that. Yes, yes, yes. So it's like, you know, yeah, I mean, we had spent a lot of time thinking about uh, social and different like ways of sort of uh, layering in things like a like a social feed into the product. This was something though that like we were thinking about almost in um, let me think like early 2022. Um, but we ended up uh, sort of 
delaying it or putting it on the shelf because uh, in our minds, like this, this, the social layer stuff is, is most um, impactful. Like when, uh, or, you know, building, building stuff for the shepherds, right. Is actually best done when there's new people coming in. Right. Uh, but there's sort of just the, the place we are in the market cycle right now is uh, shepherds aren't really shepherding uh, super hard right now. So we're sort of waiting it out and uh, going to circle back to a lot of the social stuff um, when we feel like the time is right. Yeah. I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense. It's kind of interesting. It's like, how much do 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 wallets basically need to shift their strategy and feature prioritization based on like where we are in the market? And in that case, I, I think it totally makes yeah. sense that like the shepherds aren't shepherding. What are people doing? Like, what are you, yeah. you currently thinking about building? For? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. Um, I think that, um, uh, so at a high level, um, the things that people are still doing are a lot of the core actions, right? So there's a lot of like swapping, people are still swapping, um, you know, particularly in the last couple of months, even there was like a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of trend, like trends around just like meme coins, right? Like there was like Pepe season and then, you know, Harry Potter, Obama, Sonic 10, Inu season and shit like that. Um, but uh, we think the other big action that that is increasingly important um, is like bridging and, and basically um, making it really seamless to actually, uh, you know, move move assets between uh, all of these new networks. Um, that's something that like uh, we've done in Rainbow for a little while now, but we're, we're, we're working really hard on it. I'm making it far more intuitive for people because it's it's actually bridging in the product right now is one of those things that only uh, it's like only nerds discover it and like a lot of the beginners actually just completely miss uh, the way that we integrated it. I think that we were a little too clever with the design almost. Mm. Um, but the other big act activity that we see happening on chain and that we're spending a lot of time like investing in uh, on in the product is. Um, like open edition mints, right? We're big fans of Zora. Um, I think that what Zora is up to right now is really brilliant. I think that their like protocol rewards stuff is 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 really quite brilliant, frankly. Um, and the way we think about it is um, is um, well, so we we plan on basically building in to the product uh, into Rainbow, particularly the mobile app. Actually, the ability to like create NFTs on Zora in just a mm -hmm. couple of taps by like pulling media off of your camera roll. Mm -hmm. um, and we're really excited about that because we actually think that like, um, you know, using Zora is actually quite easy, but it honestly is still a little fricky. There's still a little too much friction for somebody who is like not already bought in, right? Like if they're not sure about this or like whatever, um, it's still a little too much friction. And we think that by building it directly into the product, and then also exposing to users, um, like, uh, the ability to like claim their Zora protocol rewards in app, um, that that can really accelerate, um, the adoption by like, I don't know, like young sort of artists, right? Like I always use one of my little brothers as a, as sort of an example here, like he makes art for fun. Um, and, uh, but sort of, is just like, a little overwhelmed by having to make NFTs all the time or whatever. And I, I just really think that cutting down on the number of steps needed to actually issue these NFTs is, is going to allow him to actually make like, you know, 
some money every month, like whether it's $25 or $50, like that's meaningful to him. And, uh, you know, yeah, the goal with rainbow is to like enable more of those experiences, right? Like, um, you know, the best use case of crypto is making money. Um, so, uh, you know, we're trying to figure out ways of, of, um, of like bringing that front and center into the product. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of interesting when you start to see it that way, because what, what to me rainbow starts to become in that context is almost like, you know, WeChat style app where you actually can do a ton of different things within the application itself, which is quite different from like the other side of wallets that we're seeing, which is like embedded wallets, like what Frentech is using, where it's actually within the wallet, instead of like bringing your own identity, they sort of spin up a context, you know, specific identity for you. And so I'm curious when you think about like what it looks like to build something like uh, being able to mint on Zora into the app itself, like yeah, what what does that spectrum look like from sort of the WeChat to style wallet yeah. to the embedded wallet? That's a great question. So um, we, uh, you know, we have a plan here, Chase. We have a plan uh, and we think it's, it's really sick. So we think that embedded wallets are like really important um, and actually, uh, you know, going to be the way that the majority of new people get onboarded into crypto. Um, and, uh, uh, so, uh, we have a plan basically to, you know, have our own embedded wallet offering and, um, that's going to, what that's going to look like is it's going to be, um, built into rainbow kit. Um, so rainbow kit, if you're not familiar is like a, uh, you know, perhaps the most popular, um, like widget that you can add to your website or DAP to like easily support connecting a wallet. Right. Um, and, you know, we've gotten huge adoption for Rainbow Kit across the ecosystem. Uh, it's like, you know, it's like, you know, I'd say like half of the flagship dApps out there these days are using Rainbow Kit. Um, and our plan is to essentially offer an embedded wallet solution built directly into Rainbow Kit. And what makes it special is um, there's like two big factors. One is um, we're going to be offering it for free. Um, as opposed to the, the sort of like metered pricing, um, that, uh, that exists in the market today. And then second, very critically is that, um, is that our offering is going to, uh, be interoperable. So what, so what that means, right. Is that, um, so say a user, uh, goes to like adidas.com and they're using rainbow kit, uh, in order to like onboard people into their like free NFT giveaway, um, if a user signs up for uh, uh, a mini wallet there, this is what we're calling it, by the way, like our embedded wallet solution called it mini wallets. Um, when a user signs up for a mini wallet, like on adidas.com, for example, um, they'll be able to log in and access that same wallet on any other DAP that uses Rainbow Kit. Um, and what's really important about that is, um, is yeah, like essentially um, uh, like, you know, giving the user maximum utility, right? So there's, you know, the current embedded wallet outlook actually, or like the worldview, right? It ends up currently uh, with a lot of fragmentation. Um, and fragmentation is actually uh, what sucks about fintech, right? So it's like one of the, the, the things that really motivated me most about crypto uh, when I first got into it in like 2018 was this idea that, um everything is interoperable and that means that like you know i don't know say you're signing up for an apartment and you need 
like, you know, to put down a security deposit, right? And you need to go get a bunch of your money. Um, you know, in the, in the fintech world, your money is like split across five apps and you need to sort of like, you know, withdraw and it's going to take whatever three days ACH on each one of them. Whereas in crypto, the beautiful thing is that, you know, all of your, your funds are essentially accessible from like one place and they're, it, all of the, the assets are interoperable. And we think that sort of the, the fragmented approach to, to embedded wallets, uh, seen in the market today, um, yeah, like sort of aren't, you know, that's not a good outcome to, to further fragment things. Um, and it actually, we think does not benefit the retail consumer who's being onboarded, right? I think my favorite example of this is, do you remember when Donald Trump made those NFTs? They were like, uh, yeah, like on Polygon. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, so like, uh, you know, very, you know, fine art, like the best NFTs I've ever seen, blah, blah, blah. But like, (laughs) I'm just kidding. But like, so when, when the people got onboarded, uh, to those NFTs, um, the website, uh, was essentially like pushing users into creating an embedded wallet. And what that results in, right, is that users now have this asset inside of a wallet and they can't really do anything with it. Like they can't go sell it, right? So it's like a lot of these people, um, you know, who are new to crypto and bought one of these NFTs, you know, they were sitting on unrealized gains, right? Like their NFT went up like whatever, 3,000% or whatever. And essentially they can't sell, right? Because it's like stuck in this embedded wallet. And um, by sort of taking a more interoperable approach and essentially making things, you know, uh, yeah, interoperable by default, uh, we, we think that users are going to actually just uh, uh, like get a lot more value from being able to go interact with all of these different dApps. Because um, that's like what we, I think that that's like the value that we see in Web3, right? Is sort of being able to jump between these products and bring your assets with you. Um, and that's something that, yeah, we're, we're definitely trying to like that. Uh, sort of aspect is something that we're trying to like retain in our embedded wallet approach. Interesting. Okay. So just, yeah, just to like parrot it back. So let's say that I am using Uniswap, the app, and let's say that they use Rainbow Kit and I have a mini wallet for that, for that I spin up within Uniswap when I'm using it. If I then go to Aave and if Ave also uses Rainbow yep. Kit, I can actually choose yep. to log in using basically whichever mini wallet I want, even if I spun it up in a different application. In the context, yes, of uh, I think the 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 one, yes. So the answer is yes. I think the one like nitpick would be, um, so it's like when a user creates a mini wallet, say it's like with an email address, it's like that's their one wallet, right? Like it's essentially there's not like creating multiple ones. Um, so it's sort of like, yeah, like whoever, whatever website makes, uh, yeah, whatever the, whatever website the user lands on first and like sort of creates, you know, their wallet there, right? Yeah. They can access that same wallet on any of these other dApps. Okay. Interesting. Um, now I guess a a follow-up question for you is like, it does feel like in the context of something like friend tech, like it might actually be interesting for me to have a friend tech specific wallet. And I do think that's like, I agree that fragmentation is a problem, but I also think that there's something about an app-specific wallet that can be appealing. And so I'm curious in that context, given what you just said, um, like how much of this do you think is going to be people have, you know, sort of one embedded mini wallet versus like multiple different mini wallets that they use for different contexts, but that they can access through Rainbow Kit regardless? 
Yeah. I guess I'm curious. So it's like, I, I've thought about this myself, right? Like what, uh, what would it look like if, if the friend tech wallet was interoperable, um, elsewhere? And I do, so I'm curious what your thoughts are. Like what, what's the value that you see in sort of maintaining like an isolated friend tech wallet, just out of curiosity? Yeah, I think for me, it would probably, I don't think it would be isolated friend tech. I think it'd probably be like my like social-ish wallet. And I already do this where I have okay. um, a wallet that I definitely use as like a more public facing wallet. And then I have a couple wallets that I use for like doing stupid shit or for more secure stuff that I'm doing. Um, and those I want to have yep. control over and access to optimally like in the same interface like right now this looks like i have multiple different wallets within rainbow or different you know addresses that i'm managing within rainbow but um with something like embedded wallets i could very much see being like okay i'm going to use you know this specific wallet here and then when i'm going into like DeFi, i want to use a different wallet because like optimally i don't want people to see in the friend tech chat that I'm mm. posting, I also don't want them to see like the random DeFi shit mm -hmm. I'm doing. You know what I mean? It's sort of like domain specific okay. addresses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I definitely see that being um, a valid like d desire, right? This idea to like fragment um, purely almost like for like privacy reasons or just like for to uh, you know, compartmentalize your, your, your activity. Super valid. Um, that's that's an interesting answer. So it's like my my answer there for friends, like to me, the there is value in this idea of having your friend tech balance be separate, right? Um, because mm -hmm. it's nice to open up friend tech and look at the balance and you know see it go up and just know that that only came from the trading fees on friend tech, um, as opposed to just like you know being like your primary ETH balance. Um, now. Um, uh, so, um, I think that, uh, so first of all, I guess like our approach here doesn't actually, um, doesn't, it, it, what we're talking about with our approach here for mini wallets and sort of this interoperable vibe, um, that doesn't actually prevent any like DAP from making a, like, you know, a smart contract wallet, right. Sort of that, that represents the user's account. Um, and so like basically if Adapt like Frontex still wanted to maintain this like isolated wallet instance, they can totally do that like on top of um, on top of um, our like uh, the Rainbow Kid embedded wallet solution. Um, I think the core difference though is this idea that like um, instead of having to like authenticate and sort of create separate keys for every one of these DApps that you're using, there can essentially be like one login and you know, it's up to the dApps essentially how to, um, to create these sort of like isolated wallet instances on top of that one set of keys. Um, hold on. Let me, I'm trying to remember the other part of this, 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 this question. Um, ba -ba 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 -ba. um but yeah, I, I also think that, you know, like, um, from an end user perspective, um, or particularly for noobs, right? I think that actually the, 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 the workflow that you just described of sort of how you prefer to segment your activity or to, how to separate your funds, I would consider that like, you know, not necessarily like a noob behavior, right? Like I, I, I definitely think that that comes from someone who like understand how, understands how this works and sort of has, has these preferences. 
And when we're thinking about this product, we're thinking about it very much in the, in, in the lens of, you know, someone who literally doesn't know what a wallet is, right? And essentially is creating a mini wallet purely to basically take some action that they want to take. Um, and the goal here is that um, basically, right, like when a user creates these mini wallets, um, not only will they be, they be able to log in and access those mini wallets on any dApp that they go to that uses Rainbow Kit, but they will also be able to like download the Rainbow mobile app or the Rainbow extension for their computer and just log into those same mini wallets like there as if it is just a regular wallet, right? Um, so yeah, I think that what you're talking about is definitely uh, an interesting direction. I, I, I think that what our, our plan actually maintains optionality uh, for basically exposing that to dApps if, if they wanted to continue to create like siloed wallets. Totally. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, and a lot of the reason that I ask is like, it feels like some of this gets into, actually, I'm not going to go down that path. <laughs> um, yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think something that's interesting about this whole dynamic and even like your terminology around mini wallets versus wallets, um, which is very different from people calling it like embedded wallets, is that I think Rainbow has this unique approach where like you understand how to make things simple and you think from a perspective that is truly like consumer oriented in a way that I think very few people do. And so as I'm noticing my own thought patterns of like, yeah, that's probably actually a much more complicated mental model than most people getting into the space have. It's making me wonder, how how do you maintain this approach of like really being sort of newbie oriented? Like where, how are you staying grounded in that? Do you talk to people a ton? Like where do you get that from? That's a great question. Um, okay, so it's like my secret weapon here is I have, so I have two little brothers. One of them uh, is like an artist and doesn't really give a shit about crypto. And then the other one uh, is like, he care, he loves crypto, but he is like, you know, a self-admitted normie. Like, I think his Twitter bio is like, you know, he says he's like a purebred normie. So <laughs> typically, I, I actually get like a lot of value bouncing um, some of these ideas off of him and seeing um, what resonates or even asking him to ask his friends. Um, but yeah, I mean, yo, it, it truly is... Uh, a real thing, like what you're talking about, right? Like the more time you spend in crypto, it's actually quite hard to remember what it's like to have one, any one of these experiences for the first time. And um, it is really important to like be talking to users, um, hearing their feedback. Um, I don't know. I definitely like seek, you know, people who do like question these assumptions, right? Like, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if you've met, what's his name? Uh, Zero X designer on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's that guy, Zero X Designer on Twitter, who like always posts little mock-ups and stuff. And um, I, I was hanging out with him recently and uh, I got a lot of value from uh, a lot of the, I don't know, he was just kind of like challenging a lot of these assumptions that, that you know, Rainbow has or that I have. And I got a lot of value from that. So I definitely think that like, I don't know if I have like a better answer than that, to be honest. But yeah, just like, I definitely seek people who challenge this stuff. Uh, and I love talking to them. Yeah. Big fan of zero X designer for people who are listening who do not yeah. follow. Um, definitely. Would recommend. But, um, yeah, I mean, I He's guess such a nice guy from, too. Oh my God. The best. I'm curious in terms of yeah. as, as you're thinking about this whole, like sort of staying grounded and, and having 
conversations that are constantly sort of questioning assumptions. Um, as you're looking at the space right now and as you're looking at consumer plays, what feels interesting to you? Like, what do you think is actually going to get us to a point where people give a fuck about crypto? Do you think they're going to explicitly care that it's yeah. on chain? I'm curious how you're thinking about that more broadly. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. And it's like a really awful part of the market cycle to be asking me that question, right? Because I think that everyone is sort of wondering the same thing. Um, and I, I guess, I don't know, like I, I got into crypto in 2018. And um, the thing that got me excited were honestly the simple things, like the fundamentals, right? Like I was just so excited and inspired by things like MakerDAO and like, you know, Zero X. And, you know, having watched sort of uh, the bear market last time kind of turn into the bull market. I think it was driven by a lot of uh, unexpected or unpredictable things, right? Um, for example, like Uniswap, right? Like Uniswap didn't exist. Um, when, or actually, I guess it did. It really just came into existence when we started Rainbow. And I do think that um, very likely, uh, you know, th that the mainstream is going to be coming back when there is some novel uh, innovation that sort of we can't predict right now. Um, and that's, that's how all, crypto has always been, I guess. Um, that all said, I do think that there's a couple of things that are like trending in the right direction here that I think are going to be um, drivers of future adoption. Um, so um, I think Frentech is definitely like quite novel and quite interesting. Um, but I also think that um, the, the types of experiments that even like Zora is doing with the, the protocol rewards is quite, quite cool. Um, because um, so I actually think that, yeah, what t the most exciting things about Frentech and Zora uh, to me are actually the same thing. Um, both of those products essentially have created an experience where the user makes money by default. Okay. So it's like with friend tech, you make money by default, like some, you know, whether it's a bot who comes along and trades your shares and you make a little bit of ETH, right. That's like quite novel. Um, there's, there's no better dopamine button to press for people, right. Than basically them getting unexpected money. Um, and I think the same applies to Zora, right. Where they essentially, you know, man, it's so brilliant. Right. But basically they started charging a dollar or whatever for, for mints. Um, and they essentially established that, wow, like people will still mint it, even if it costs a dollar, right? Like they, they essentially pro, pro, uh, proved the like, that user behaviors wouldn't change. And then essentially by like splitting that, that, you know, that fee with the creators, um, again, it creates this outcome where you make money by default. Um, and I think that those experiences are quite powerful. Um, I think in the same direction, I think that like, you know, the new version of Pool Together, which is coming out very soon, is quite exciting for me in a similar way. Um, I don't think that you could argue it's like the same way of making money by default, but I expect apps to sort of, um, you know, integrate that type of lottery mechanic mechanism um, to sort of like bolster this uh, earn money by default vibe, right? So it's like if Zora, like, you know, if you already were making money on Zora, but then now there's this like lottery mechanism on top where you like, you know, one in 10,000 chance of like making even more money. I think that that's like, you know, uh, icing on the cake and definitely, you know, it's going to sort of uh, motivate users. Um, 
I guess besides that stuff though, I am quite excited about Farcaster uh, in particular. I just like have been really, really enjoying Farcaster lately. And I do think that, uh, you know, our dear friend Elon Musk and sort of the, uh, <laughs> the testing in production that he's been doing over there at Twitter is um, I think, yeah, really accelerating people's interest in these alternative uh, social products. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm also really excited about Lens. I don't really know very much about Lens V2, but I do find uh, these social products quite interesting. Um, yeah, I think that like more and more apps are going to be uh, building on top of Lens and Farcaster purely because of like, you know, um, the unfettered API access that they get as opposed to like Twitter, which is like, you know, price gouging you just to get basic API access. Yeah. Are those the types of answers you were looking for? Yeah. I mean, okay. and, and I think on the note around uh, Frentech and Zora, I've been thinking a lot about kind of this exact dynamic, which is basically you're framing it a little bit differently than I have. And I like this framing, this idea of like making money by default. I think something that Web3 applications have historically been bad at outside of like DeFi and speculation is how do you how do you give people that like immediate dopamine hit to your point? And I think, you know, in the early era of of social networks, that was this like weird social dynamic of being able to like see all of your friends and connect with them and post pictures and do all that. And then I think over time, that dopamine hit grew to distribution. And like TikTok is sort of the peak of this where it's like, TikTok would would famously, people had theories about this, would like push out the videos of people who were just beginning as creators to way more people than you usually would get distribution to, to like give you a dopamine hit as a creator. And, you know, so the promise of TikTok being like, we'll make you famous. And I think the more that crypto apps are leaning into, maybe not we'll make you rich, but at least like we're playing a game here with money and it's not just like some promise of long-term value and sovereignty, quote unquote, which is like, yes, sovereignty is important, but like no one gives a fuck when they first sign up for an app. Like they want to feel something, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I, I've been thinking a lot about that dynamic. Yeah, I think that, so it's like, this very much falls into, I, I've had this like overarching worldview uh, when it comes to crypto for a while now. And I kind of break down like my prediction for the adoption like path of crypto uh, to fall into like four steps. And like, you know, the first step is essentially single player speculative finance, right? Or actually after talking with Jesse from Coinbase, I've, I've somewhat altered this. So step one is, um, you know, single player making money. And often that has to do with speculation. Step two is like this multiplayer making money uh, uh, activity, right? And I think that things like even Zora or, or Frentech fit this very well. Um, and, uh, step three, sort of what comes next, right. Is actually crypto being used for commerce, right. Or almost like IRL, uh, uh, payments and things like this. Um, and I think that, you know, that use case, like the idea of like, oh, like crypto replacing Venmo, that's like always existed as a potential use case. Um, it's just sitting there waiting. Um, but what it's waiting for is essentially like a critical mass of people even having crypto in the first place, right? Because you can't, you know, it's hard to sort of onboard people, uh, you know, to a Venmo, like, I don't know, Venmo works for them, right? So I do think that actually this, like, um, this current phase that we're in 
of uh, of some of these like m- multiplayer experiences in which people make money by default is like a really necessary step in this direction um, that, you know, very hopefully can uh, result in like, yeah, like, you know, crypto replacing Venmo and, uh, you know, crypto replacing a lot of the other sort of financial products in people's lives. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's like, it's very necessary to like create these hooks that actually attract uh, consumers. And I do think that, you know, the dopamine hit and also the like, I don't know, like you can call it whatever you want, like greed or whatever. Right. But even if it, I don't know, I don't think of like Zora as being like enabling greed. I just sort of think that this idea of like money magically showing up in your wallet that you didn't expect it, it like it, I don't know, like uh, that hits a special kind of dopamine button. And I'm, I'm quite interested in sort of further experimentation there. We're going to be doing some fun stuff as well um, in that direction at rainbow. Totally. Yeah. And I love this point. I was talking to someone about this, uh, like last week, I think there is definitely this weird dynamic, uh, where for a long time, I think people have assumed that payments will be the primary use case, at least at first, and then we'll build this entire ecosystem around crypto. And it's become clear over the last couple of years that actually like building, exciting experiences on chain that maybe have nothing to do with basic financial infrastructure, getting money in people's pockets, getting them to understand the value of like sovereignty and having this like, you know, lack of middlemen and all this stuff um, might actually be the primary step that's required. And then maybe at some point payments will be easier just because everyone's already on chain. But like the friction to get on chain. I'm a huge believer in that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. And that's actually, um, that's actually why I'm so bullish on, um, these global brands do starting to experiment in web three. Um, I think that if you had asked me when I founded rainbow, like, Hey, like, you know, is it going to be, you know, is it cool if like Coca-Cola starts making NFTs and like, you know, these big brands (laughs) start making it, I would have been like, nah, I don't think that that's like a good future, but, um, I've really 180 on that where, um, I view these global brands getting into Web3 and experimenting with NFTs as being an incredible opportunity for our ecosystem um, to broaden its horizons. And the reason why is I think that, um, so say, uh, you know, global brands, like say there's a hundred global brands and they're all making NFTs and they give them away for free. If a single one out of, you know, the 100, if a single one goes from being worth free, like $0 to being worth $5 for whatever reason, right? That to me represents essentially like a gorilla fiat on ramping moment, right? Where now the person has money in the system and you didn't need to shill them, you know, yeah, decentralized, globally censorship resistant bearer assets, right? Like it's essentially, they got some you know, giveaway thing. And that ended up being worth $5. I view that as being like, uh, one of the most exciting opportunities to on-ramp people into the space is actually these like, you know, mass market sort of gimmicky, like global brand stuff. Um, I view that as being like, um, super cool for that, for that reason. Totally. Yeah. And I think regardless of like what uh, brand is sort of pushing this forward, like I think this was the promise of nouns at one point in a way, like I think the the actual brand that's behind it even matters less as long as they have distribution. But like I love this this philosophy around 
providing something to people before you ask them to like get like basically before you take from them um and taking from them is a really weird way to frame it but like that is kind of what crypto feels like right now to get onboarded to crypto is like okay i'm gonna put a hundred bucks into this and like who fucking knows where this is gonna go it's probably gonna go to zero um and that's just not a great experience it's not a great i do think that like uh i don't know i think that there's work to be done um in framing right because i think that actually um i don't know for a long time i felt that uh, that, uh, there's gotta be a way to frame this where like, Hey, put in 50 bucks, put in a hundred bucks and play around. Right. Because I actually think that playing around and trying these things is like an un, like, first of all, it's just so important. But second, it's like, I don't particularly know how someone gets onboarded or sort of actually learns to sort of, um, see the world in the way that we do without playing around. And I do actually think that like level setting and being like, Hey, yeah, put in 50 bucks and just play around, like put in sort of whatever amount of money is play money for you. Right. Um, I don't know. That's something that we're trying to do at rainbows, figure out ways to sort of uh, frame that in a way that, um, that makes people a little bit more open-minded to sort of just playing around Um, and like less framing it less of like, an investment. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny cause I'm thinking like, what are the, what are the real world analogies where you put in money and you, you see it as just a playing around. And, and unfortunately the casino is probably one of the best analogies where you're like, you put in money to a casino and you know, you're not getting it back, but you're playing with it basically. Yeah. I mean, honestly though, I think that even Robin hood to a degree, right? Like, listen, like, um, you know, exposing, you know, exposing newcomers to extremely high risk things isn't cool. Like, you know what I mean? That's not like, that's not the intention, but I actually do think that allowing people to make mistakes um, and learn from it is incredibly important. And uh, I think that like Robin Hood even, um, you know, is how a lot of people like learned how the stock market works. Right. And even like all of the vocabulary, everything from like options, calls and puts, et cetera. So I do think that, um, you know, you, you brought up like the casino as sort of being the best analogy. I, I still think Robin hood is honestly like a very close analogy. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I often think about it almost like as a chemistry set, um, or like a little finite, I think of crypto as like being like a little financial system, in like you know uh like in a little bubble right like where it's sort of like every you know it's like the the, yeah the children's chemistry set version of a financial system in which all of the little pieces are there for you to play with um yeah i don't know that's kind of how i picture it i like that as a that's i feel like better than the legos meme I think the the chemistry set is yeah, more true. It's a little more different. We're we're sick of the Legos at this point, basically. True. <laughs> Yo, I'm a big Lego fan, but I think I agree. It's like you know, I'm bored. Yeah, we like, need let's the get composability new memes. Legos. Yeah, we need new memes. Um, all right. As we close yeah. out, I'm curious. What's your favorite current sort of meme buzzword rabbit hole that you've gone down recently in crypto or outside meme of meme buzzword rabbit hole? Um, 
That's a good question. Um, I don't, hmm. I don't know. I just think it's funny that everyone's talking using the word consumer crypto now. I just think that that's really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why. Like, it just sort of feels like they mean it. What they actually mean is like front tech and that's it. Like, I don't know if they particularly have like an articulate definition of it. Um, uh, cause I, I don't think that, um, people like consider rainbow to be consumer crypto, even though like, I don't know what else we would be. So I do think that like, that's a funny narrative. Yeah. I don't know. I also think that the social five stuff is a funny narrative too. Cause I, I sort of think that, that like, I don't know, friend tech to me is the only product that I've seen that sort of like is interesting and novel. And a lot of the other things are sort of like, you know, direct knockoffs of it. Um, I don't know. Let me think. Uh, what else is, what else is cool? What else is funny lately? Memes. Yeah. I don't know. I'd say that that's it, man. I feel like that wasn't a good answer. No, I mean, that's, I, I think the, the, the critic, the critique of uh, consumer crypto is probably spot on. And I think you're right that people do, people, including me, mostly mean friend tech. That being said, we'll probably call this episode consumer crypto. So we're, we're, we're playing into Let's the Let's go. Meme. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rainbow is consumer crypto. You hear, you heard it here first. <laughs> It's funny though, you're right. Like it, it really kind of is, a, it, it's literally just a meme to be like, we want people to use this. We don't really know what we mean by yeah. it. We just mean things that are not yeah. boring crypto shit that has been done already. Yes. Yeah. Like I, I see more people, I don't know. I see, I see consumer crypto on the timeline, but I don't even know, like, are people actually writing checks based off of the consumer crypto thesis? I don't know. I sort of just feel like it is like the buzzword du jour, you know? 1000%. Well, Mike, this was so fun to chat. Where can people learn more about you? Where can they find the rainbow extension, all of the things? Yeah. um, Head over to rainbow.me. We have links both to the rainbow mobile app as well as the rainbow extension there. And uh, on Twitter, uh, you know, you can follow rainbow at, rainbow dot me um and i'm on twitter as well at mike demaray um i don't know if 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 people will be able to spell my name correctly but you'll find me don't i'm not worried about it i'll link it also in the show notes um cool well mike this was so lovely thanks for coming on the pod yeah thanks for having me and uh yeah next time you're in williamsburg hit us up we'll make it happen everyone's in williamsburg these days (laughs) everyone yeah, if you see, if you ever see me in Williamsburg, attention audience, if you see me in Williamsburg, yell my name, I'll say what's up, and I'll probably give you rainbow stickers. There you go. It's a promise. Hunt Mike down. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I love it. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah.